Welcome to Connect the Dots, a podcast designed to help chiropractic students connect what they have learnt at university with what to expect in practice life, whilst filling in some blanks along the way. I'm your host, Dr. Marcus Yeo from Melbourne, Australia, and it is brought to you by the Australian Chiropractic Association. We hope you learn lots, and as always, if you have questions, please fire them into us so we can keep crafting great information for you to help your journey connecting university to practice life. Enjoy. Okay, I have with me the El Presidente, uh, Anthony Coxon, and also the Regional Manager from WA, Shalianne Connell. Uh, so thanks for joining me to talk about the ACA and why it's important uh, for all of the chiropractors in Australia. Thanks, Marcus. It's great to be here. Yes, likewise. So I thought to kick off the conversation, obviously there are lots of things we could talk about that the ACA does for the profession, but um, I think a really great part is probably the, the inclusion and being part of a group um, that gets information disseminated to, to eat within, each, within the group and to the group from a coordinated source like the ACA to help chiropractors understand what their roles and responsibilities are um, in an ever-changing landscape. And I think coronavirus has obviously helped, been a really good indication of the importance for that. Um, so do either you want to just chip in and, and talk a little bit about how the ACA um, fulfills that role within our profession? Maybe I'll jump in first, uh, Shelly Ann, but I'm sure you'll have something to add after this. Look, I think that we've been a restructured entity now for two years. Um, so we went from having uh, companies in each of the states and territories enrolled into a, a single entity. And that was 2018. And pretty much straight away, we were hit with Safer Care Victoria in 2019. And of course, um, uh, globally, 2020 is all about coronavirus. And so um, the... I guess the, the, we tested the metal pretty much right from the get-go as far as the new structure was concerned. And I know that if we look back at how we were, and it wasn't that it was the previous um, incarnation was terrible, far from it. You know, we got a lot done as the, as the CAA. But if we look at the effectiveness in which we got accurate information out in a timely manner, which this year was critical to all chiropractors. Um, I would say particularly so for people in, in Melbourne who were in lockdown for so long to, to, to get accurate information and to get it quickly from a reliable source, I think was really important. Um, if you go, there are other ways to get information. You know, you can go onto Facebook, uh, you can go to various sort of chat groups and so forth. And some of the stuff that I saw up there and I thought, oh my goodness, if there are people out there that are not members of the ACA and they're thinking that's what we're meant to be doing, and they're definitely going down the wrong path. And, um, and the feedback we got from membership was really great. I think members really appreciated having that sense that, um, you know, that to some degree we were metaphorically holding the, their hand through, you know, what has been a very difficult time. Yeah, and if I can just um, add to that, Anthony, um, allowing what, what ACA is providing for our members um, is the COVID portal, which is accessible at any time of the day. So you know, what might be something that they can call us. And there's a lot of regional managers as well as other staff on the line. It's sort of like the helpline. And, you know, it's been quite astonishing to the amount of calls that we've gotten, just being able to walk our members through a process because, there, as you say, there's so much information out there and to actually articulate which is the correct and, and most important, which they have to, you know, disseminate between 
all different platforms that occur, whether it's, you know, social media, people getting stuff in the post, watching the TV, you know, ACA's um, COVID portal is really important and it's a, it's a key information source for our members. You know, you've got your infection control, PPE, which can change, as we all know, on a daily, as well as your telehealth, all sorts, you know, um, WHS, which is the workplace relations side of things, and posters. So I think that that's a really great resource that we've been able to provide members, as well as students, because even fifth year is going into, this is going to be around now, you know, probably next year and into the future. And just being able to provide the most up-to-date at any time for our members, I think it's important because... You know, not everyone is able to um, make that phone call to the association between nine and five. And we're lucky that we have a 12 hour span of working hours given given the restructure and we're able to provide that to members. So that's another great um, thing. Even if you are in the on the East Coast, you can still reach someone, you know, at, at 8.30 your time because it's myself and Joe, which we're covering the phones for them. So I think ACA has done a really good job um, supporting members through this this um, COVID world, you know, phenomenal yep. that occurred. Yeah, it's actually a great point too. And Anthony's point about where people find information um, online, um, if they're not going to the portal, like you talked about, Shelley, a friend of mine who uh, I only found out this year is not a member of the ACA, um, much to my sort of disillusionment. Uh, he, he was saying that when these changes were occurring, um, he wasn't getting any notification from APRA or the board. And he's saying, if you're not a member of an association, how are you meant to know what to do and whether you're following um, what you're meant to do? Uh, which was a really good point because obviously those regulatory bodies should be providing some of that information as well, but they, they're obviously going to be a lot more slower at delivering that information. Um, and if you're trying to uh, act in the right fashion and do it, all the things that we were required to do through this period, um, the ACA we're really on top of it, you know, it, me running a business. It was great to have that, that regular information coming, you know, daily, weekly uh, along the way, uh, which, was, which was awesome. So, um, Anthony, you talked a little bit about Safe Care Victoria uh, and then also um, this coronavirus um, pandemic. Obviously, the ACA has been involved in conversations around scope of practice that we've been allowed to have, particularly in Victoria, um, throughout this this period the word advocacy gets used a lot um, in terms of the ACA does a lot of advocacy work but I feel like a lot of people members and also non-members don't quite understand what the word means in terms of the day-to-day -day activities of the um, people who work behind the scenes in these in in this way so perhaps you might be able to give us some insight into the safe care Victoria um, stuff that happened then um, Shelly you can talk a little bit more around other things that occur um, that the association does behind the scenes in, in other advocacy roles like what's happened over there in WA in recent times as well. So we'll, we'll start with, uh, I think Safe Care Victoria is a, a very good example about how the ACA works. Now, essentially, the way I see it is we've got two roles. The first is uh, to directly serve our members with member services that makes their practice life easier. So whether it's a, a graduate toolkit, um, a checklist for when you're first coming into practice, how to access you know, your um, professional indemnity insurance risk management offer so you get the lowest rate, Wh whatever it might be there, I guess the day-to-day -day things that are available either by calling you know, someone like Shelley if you're in the Western region or Norm if you're in the, uh, in the Southern region, 
Um, those kind of services are, are, are really fantastic. And of course, they're all there on the website for you to access through the member portal as well. Um, and then we've got, I guess, the advocacy stuff. And that's what uh, we're really doing. Although on behalf of the members, it's really the impact that we have on the profession at large. So in effect, when we go and advocate for, um, the, for chiropractic to government uh, or to other stakeholders, we're not doing it just for ACA members. Uh, and of course, I'm sure there are plenty of ACA members who get a little bit upset about this, that they're doing their heavy lifting by paying the fees. And, um, and you know, there are other people who are, um, who are benefiting from what we do, um, even though they're not uh, contributing or engaging with it in any significant way. So um, if we look at Safer Care Victoria, obviously this came about um, not just following the, the baby dangling video, but I would say that that was probably the, um, the thing that the flame that lit the fire, but, the, but the, the, you know, there's plenty of powder there already related to pediatric care and chiropractic and some of the criticisms that chiropractors have come under from um, groups like Friends of Science and Medicine or, or um, the AMA and others. Um, and obviously we were in a situation where we went from having a lot of chiropractors who were seeing a lot of children and a lot of parents who were very happy to bring their kids to chiropractors because uh, they were getting great results um, and it was safe and it was gentle. And then we saw a video that was particularly unprofessional um, and inappropriate. And unfortunately, in the state that chiropractic is in in Australia at this stage, we probably don't have enough credibility in this space for an incident like that to be put off as a, an example of poor chiropractic care and a, and a poor job, by, job done by an individual. It's something that tends to wash over the whole profession and all of a sudden becomes a, a profession-wide issue rather than an issue with you know, the appropriateness of that care or the appropriateness of that video so, um, put up by that particular chiropractor. So the health minister decided to um, investigate this through Safer Care Victoria and I was actually with Matthew Fisher in Berlin at the time. We were there for the World Federation of Chiropractic. And in some ways, um, it was good because right from the get-go, we were able to speak to the top pediatric researchers in the world. And, and, uh, and I'll give a shout out to Katie Pullman, who she produced a, a recent uh, systematic review uh, into pediatric chiropractic care. And people like her and uh, Lise Hesbeck and, and others really were... Um, really important in terms of giving us some direction and understanding about how we could step in and, um, if you like, defend uh, the profession. The ACA were the only uh, organisation, uh, chiropractic organisation, that were a part of the Safer Care Victoria panel. And it was a long and arduous process. And I can tell you that it's still not over. Um, but I think we certainly have averted a uh, what would have been disastrous in terms of having severe restrictions in scope of practice for, for chiropractic. As it is, we have an interim ban on a certain technique, but um, there may well be, Marcus, some really good things that can come out of this. And what we're looking to do now is develop um, a consensus guidelines, which we'll, we'll be rolling out next year uh, to give both practitioners and stakeholders confidence in what we do as a profession, especially in the pediatric area, where, you know, as you know, you know, chiropractic is, uh, has operated historically in silos, you know, where we're great getting with each other. I'm sure you have, you know, plenty of uh, your chiropractic colleagues that you hang out with and you 
uh, may have little sort of mentor groups with and so forth, but we're less averse or we're more averse rather in terms of um, developing those kind of relationships with other professionals. And we're a bit, we're a bit like the, uh, I think John Kelly said, you know, if we were a kindergarten children, we'd be say, you know, does really well, but doesn't play well with other kids. Um, and we've got to learn to, uh, we've got to learn to play well with other kids. We've got to learn how to um, develop the kind of networking and relationships that will really solidify things and go forward with a evidence-based approach that doesn't lose the essence of what chiropractic is all about. Great. Great. And so just to pick up with some of the safe care Victoria stuff. So you were obviously involved. There was Matthew was on, was it Matthew who was on the panel as well as Genevieve Keating? That's right. So we were, um, there were two, so both Matthew and, and Genevieve and uh, off the top of my head, I'd say there was probably about more than 10, I think it might've been 12 meetings that they had in Melbourne. So Matthew flew down for obviously for each of those, Jen was already in Melbourne and the preparation that those two had to go in, in terms of uh, getting information together and assisting with putting the ACA submission into um, Safe Care Victoria was, yeah, it was a big deal. There was a lot of time and hours and money spent on really making sure that uh, chiropractic doesn't lose that aspect of, of our practice. And uh, I know Norm, when I was speaking to him, he talked a lot of, to me about the, the amount of hours that they uh, attributed to coordinating other chiropractors as well to go and speak to members of parliament and so forth to really make sure that there was a thorough understanding of, of the real world um, application of chiropractic rather than the biased sort of perspective that was, was being run through the media so that people had the, like the people who were making these decisions and, and had some influence were, were over, uh, had a true understanding of, of the status quo. And that's right. And ultimately what it's about is, is um, standards of evidence. You know, if there is an absence of evidence of harm, how, what level of evidence of efficacy is required for a practice to operate in a certain way? Now, we know that the, as far as evidence of harm for pediatrics um, and manual therapies is, is, is very, very good. Um, there's very few um, incidences uh, of uh, serious harm to a child under the care of a chiropractor. In fact, this was a, talking about relationships and things that, um, that, that the ACA do. Our relationship with Guild Insurance was fantastic. They were able to provide records over the last 20 years that shows that there has never been a case against a chiropractor about the care of a child that's, uh, that's proceeded, um, so meaning that you know, effectively there's, there's no evidence within Melbourne or Australia of a chiropractor harming a child in any significant way whatsoever, despite the fact that there are literally, you know, over a long period of time, millions of visits uh, uh, to a chiropractor. Now we know that the evidence for, for care as far as effectiveness is not, as, is not as strong. And a lot of it requires common sense and a scientific approach where informed consent is given and outcomes are measured. We've got great studies coming, you know, from Denmark in colic uh, that have been happening uh, quite interrupted this year with COVID, but, but we're, we're getting better as far as uh, evidence out there. But, but we can't not provide care purely based on the fact that there's not enough evidence there. If we applied that rule across all professions, then you would shut down most medical care. Um, yeah. And so that's, and I think ultimately what we were able to do through the assistance 
of particularly Matthew and Burnett that met, met personally with every single uh, health minister or senior advisor in every particular state and territory uh, across Australia, with the exception of Victoria, um, to actually sh show them what what was the, the reality as opposed to what was the media fervor. And uh, in the end, um, that advocacy was very successful because um, at, at COAG, um, what the health minister in Victoria was trying to push uh, didn't get far at all. So um, that was that was a success, definitely. Hi, Chris, if I can just um, add to that with the relationship side of things, what Anthony mentioned about um, Matthew attending meetings across the country. I was, um, I was able to attend one with Matthew and Josh Timms, who's the chair of the Western Regional Committee here. And what people don't realise is what actually goes into opening up those doors for, um, you know, people like Matthew, the CEO, in order to represent the profession. You know, it's um, Bernard, as well as all the regional managers, we um, keep in contact. We, you know, quarterly meetings just to keep a face there, to keep the Cairo base as the normal, you know, um, not the purple elephant in the room so that when things do hit the fan, um, that, these um, minister officers are prepared to actually, you know, welcome the representatives to um, into their rooms and, and to be able to, like Matthew, as you said, Anthony, um, with the guild, you know, the with the no harm, etc. That was something that we will be able to present to direct to the health minister's office, and it was really it was really interesting to see, as you say, some people have a, a view of what chiropractors actually are but when you're providing evidence like that they you know you, you almost see the tables turn in their in their eyes sitting there going oh okay well I didn't know that because their perspective of what chiropractic was is very different to what the reality is so these relationships it takes time it, it's something that we strive to continually do in all um, forms of health um, in in all the states and if you wanted me to now just have a chat about what went on in Western Australia, I'm happy to do that now. Um, just so let me wrap this safe care thing and then we'll come to that cool. as well, right? So I think it's there was a, there's a couple of things I just want to roll back over there. And that one is that it's not just some emails sent out, um, some things that can get lost in an inbox. It's face-to-face, -face, travelling on planes, travelling, um, you know, around the country, hours and hours of behind-the-scenes work to try and make sure that we don't lose an incredibly important part of um, chiropractic practice, but also um, the delivery of healthcare in our society, because it's not just about us, it's about the patients and what they need. And if we're not able to deliver it, then who's going to be servicing these patients in these areas that they need. And then um, the, the benefit, I guess, for a member, I'm a member of the ACA, benefit for me is that it has huge ramifications also on my business and um, my ability to employ people, uh, my ability to help the community. So it's not just about a win for the profession. There are some significant downstream impacts on that in terms of the, the volume of people we can see and the, and, and the care that we can deliver to our community. So um, that advocacy is um, a really significant thing. And I know Matthew even at one point put his own professional um, existence kind of on the line um, in, in sort of what, around the time the report was released in terms of his interpretation of events. And I won't go into any further detail, but it's great to have someone who's heading our profession, who's willing to go into bat that much for us, um, you know, that uh, it, could, it could come at some sort of personal consequence to him as well. So for me, it was very heartening as a member to understand that these are the people who are, who are supporting my right to continue to do um, what I do. 
Um, so yeah, now Shelly, do you want to just touch on further? So we've, that's the Safe Care Victoria. Now you've done some stuff over there in WA that's pretty interesting that hopefully will then lead to some changes nationally um, for our profession as well. Absolutely. So um, I've been with the, with the association for 12 years now and probably for a good part of 10, I've been somewhat involved, but have been watching um, what has happened is to do with work cover. So basically in May, we celebrated two um, advocacy wins here. One was to achieve um, chiropractors um, being eligible to become workplace um, rehabilitation consultants. We were the first in Australia um, to be able to get that happening. So there's how it works is there was a state framework and each um, state was able to apply it as they saw fit. Um, Again, it was something that occurred because of a relationship that was fostered with the CEO as well as other employees in Western Australia work cover. It's something that what it is for students, it opens up not just students, but predominantly students when we're looking at it is it opens up an avenue for a job for them because there's no longer just you know, go into private practice and, and that's it. As we all know, um, chiropractors aren't welcome in hospitals, et cetera, at the moment. But this advocacy win means that students can come out or even someone that's, it's a position for new grads what we're looking at at the moment is that there's another income stream for them. They're able to get a job in the Australian health um, side of things. And yeah, you're right when it comes to do a domino effect. So I'm currently working on a consultation and submission with Suzanne Boyer, who's the regional manager in New South Wales, to try and get the same outcome for them because they have now been invited to um, provide a submission. So we're, we're just we're in the background working to try and get chiros into, you know, different avenues. So it's not just private practice. I mean, it's not for everyone, but it's, it's another avenue that we're trying to support chiropractors in um, our country. The other win that we um, were able to get through was with the West Australian Radiological Council. There was restriction on allied health for the use of class four lasers in practice. Now, what had happened with that was four years in the making that one. And we had advocacy in that area in the way of communicating with that council because there were certain people that were allowed, as you know, sometimes chiros are left out or physios, et cetera. But what it meant this win was all the work that we did with that, it actually lifted those restrictions, not just for chiropractors, but for allied health professionals, other allied health professionals. And, you know, Anthony, you touched on the fact that the work we do is sometimes, you know, there's people paying for it. They're members of our association. In this instance, we were able to, I was able to pick up the phone to the osseos and say, hey, listen, this is what's going on. And it was through our work. So you're welcome, basically. So, you know, and, and what that means is we're, we're bridging the gap between other professions. We, to try and collaborate for a better outcome for patients, as well as obviously chiropractors, but I think what we have to remember here is that we are, we're, we're asked to collaborate via APRA and this is something that we're looking at here, finding opportunities to collaborate with other professions so that it works. It works for patients and it works for chiros because there, there is a stigma, as we all know, when it comes to chiro, physio, et cetera, whatever it is, but we're forging a way to build a bridge between that so we can collaborate. Great. I've got two points on that. One, you reminded me of something with this coronavirus lockdown that we went through in, in Victoria. I can't remember who I spoke to, whether it was um, Norm or someone else from the ACA, but there was some feedback around the professionalism of the ACA 
in amongst the allied health um, bodies yep. um, that uh, they were that we showed tremendous leadership in the way that um, we handle that as a profession um, when pitted against some of the other professions and what you're talking about there in terms of um, the laser um, stuff obviously is another example of that and whilst yes it, it does have a positive impact on people who are not a paid member but it elevates the profession overall and that elevated status is is going to result in uh, a positive outcome at the at ground level in terms of greater utilization of our care through a, a greater um a, a, a greater sort of, um, space within the the greater health community um across australia so um it's not always just about i pay this many dollars for my yearly membership this is what i get back um it is definitely some of that that bigger vision stuff that you that the aca is doing to elevate um, the profession overall um, which will have have a, a greater benefit um do you want to just take us through that role with the work cover um, authority in wa um what that role is you say we've created a new job that's not private practice um and you did give it a job title which i just missed but what 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 is that role just so that the students can hear more about that sure um it's it, well the the role is um a workplace rehabilitation consultant um, so what it means is that a chiropractor is now able to work in the work cover scheme as not just a chiropractor, but a work rehabilitation consultant, which we um, were never allowed to prior to. There were other professions such as chiros, I'm sorry, not chiros, physiotherapists, ex-phys, um, osseos, other um, sites, etc. cetera. Um, so there's two, each, look, it's a, there's, in Western Australia particularly, there's a system where someone hurts himself and then they're able to go see a chiropractor in that realm as an allied health provider. Then there's another section, which is the rehabilitation side of things, which is the work rehabilitation consultant that I'm um, talking about. So it essentially is another opportunity for a chiropractor to be employed by a rehabilitation provider, a company that specifically works with people to get them back to work, not as a treatment-based, which, um, you know, a Cairo, you go and see a Cairo in that response, uh, sorry, in that um, situation. This is working for a rehabilitation company as a consultant. So you'd speak to a injured worker, you would sort out a plan, et cetera, et cetera. So that was never something that um, Cairo's were allowed to be involved in. Okay, great. Um, yeah, that's, that's an amazing avenue. Um, hopefully it opens up across the whole nation um, for our graduating students. Anthony, did you want to add something there? I did, yeah, just, um, and it's not just about, because, uh, you know, uh, a, lot, a lot of people don't think that work cover is a, you know, a, a sexy part of chiropractic, and, and I'm sure there'll be most people that won't become rehabilitation consultants, but it's not just about the employment opportunity, but it's about what it does for the profession more broadly. I think having um, chiropractors in roles like that is you get a better sense of what the profession is more broadly and collaboratively with other professions. We've got to remember that as a profession, we're less than 1% of the total healthcare workforce. So having people in those kind of roles really shines a very positive light on the profession more broadly. So it's a win for, yes, the people who will become rehabilitation consultants, but it's a win for the profession overall as well. Absolutely. Um, Anthony, this, this question is probably directed first at you. Uh, 
in the forums online and in conversations, I'm often intrigued by um, some of the conversations that happen that um, seem to not be able to strike the balance of what's important in terms of a decision that we need to make today and also for the future, for the future of the profession tomorrow. So um, obviously if we think about things like um, the term subluxation or a statement, position statements on things like that, or a position statement on evidence-based care and, and how practice should be done. We've obviously talked about pediatric guidelines um, being formulated at the moment. Um, how does the ACA go about making decisions that are obviously really important for today and supporting people in practice as they currently are, and also making sure that we have a good stake in the in in the ground in terms of healthcare delivery in the future? Because obviously the world's always changing, and if we don't change with it, uh, we can be left behind. But we also don't want to lose our substance um, as a profession as well. Yeah, and I think that's definitely the one of our biggest challenges going forward is how do we retain that essence of chiropractic, but be a modern contemporary profession that builds a, you know, a strong reputation and a strong cultural authority. Uh, we know, for example, that chiropractors have a, a very high satisfaction rate typically. You know, people who see chiropractors are often very loyal to their chiropractors and they have, you know, but they have a very high regard for chiropractic. We saw this in the Safer Care Victoria um, review where um, there was more people that wrote in for that particular review than any other review. And this is includes things like the, you know, the Catholic church and a whole lot of other reviews that have gone on. We had uh, almost 22,000 people write in and there was a 99.7% positive response rate for chiropractic. So these are people who are, you know, going to get in there, patients of chiropractors are going to get in there and bat for the profession because they love what they experience when they see a chiropractor. But we also know from research that there's a great lot of people out there who don't see chiropractors. And if you ask them about chiropractic, their responses are going to be quite different than those that do see chiropractors. And typically the standing that the profession is put in by non-chiropractic users is about 20% lower than it would be for say, for example, a GP or a physiotherapist. So it's an interesting profession chiropractic and then we've got the people who see us who love us and other people who may have never seen us who have either a negative view of the um, profession, which is really not a, a big group. It's more the I'm unsure group that, uh, that, that, that is out there. And they're not necessarily unsure about physiotherapy. Therapy. They're not necessarily unsure about uh, being a GP. And I think one of the things that we're looking at um, currently, in fact, uh, a group uh, called um, Fit Partnerships and Branding is about developing that compelling story for chiropractic. One of the things that Safer Care Victoria taught us is that at a very basic level, people don't understand what chiropractors do. And I think as chiropractors, historically, we've been very inward looking. We've talked about, you know, am I a vitus chiropractor? Am I an evidence-based chiropractor? What adjective do I put before, you know, saying that I'm a chiropractor? And I guess I've um, uh, been quoted as saying that we don't really need those kind of adjectives. That I think in the long run, if we're looking to play the long game, that doesn't really serve us very well. You know, we're we're known for circling the wagons and pointing the guns inwards. We really need to be more outward looking and think about how do we fit? You know, what are we good at? What can we defend um, with evidence? What's going to be APRA compliant? What do people need? Um, what do people want rather uh, more than just need? Because if we're trying to sell the big story of chiropractic, um, you know, in that 
it just doesn't work and it doesn't wash over with those people who are unsure about seeing a chiropractor. We need to be sharp, pointed, and very, very specific with our message. And it has to land in a way that people go, I can relate to that. Low back pain, I get that. Yes, my, my, my brother gets that. My neighbors get that. Headaches, neck pain, all these sorts of things. These are the global burden of diseases. These are the things that just about everyone gets at some stage in, in their lives. We're good at that stuff. You know, and it's really quite defendable. So I think when we're talking about something that is a pointed argument, we really need to be hitting those kind of bases. Now, a patient that comes to you, Marcus, you know, might uh, be inspired by a Consider a Chiro program that the ACAF put out that talks about low back pain, but they might also, you know, have some, you know, chronic period pain or something uh, of that nature. And you might have a conversation about them and and say, look, there's may not be a great deal of evidence, but my experience is A, B, and C, and trial of care, and that you know that type of sensible scientific approach. That's what is the sort of thing that's going to build the profession in the long run. Um, and I think having those really sort of more detailed conversations really are more about that's more about the patient doctor interaction. That's where you can nuance a message. That's where you can individualize it to their needs. You don't. Um, when it comes to advertising, when it comes to what's the big picture, what's the one little thing we want to get people to understand about chiropractic, it has to be something that, that um, resonates with them, even though they know nothing about chiropractic. So yeah. bottom line, we need to be outward looking rather than inward looking. I think that's a really important distinction in that the ACA uh, as a body is looking towards how we grow our standing in the community so that we can get greater access to care. But the ACA is, whilst it's saying we need to have these type of conversations, it's, all, it's not saying at the same time you can't have these other conversations in the room. And I think people really lose that in transition in that you can still say, hey, um, by the way, this is something that I have had results with with people in the past and you know, a trial of care is appropriate for you. Um, you know, and here's the, the research status around that, you know, whatever that might be, whatever condition it might be, as long as it's, you know, plausible and, you, and, you, and you're not being out of, out of control with your scheduling and stuff like that. Um, these are conversations that the ACA are not saying, that the ACA is not saying that people can't have, you know what I mean? But it's more that the focus of the ACA is not to try and govern those conversations. The focus of the ACA is to try and open up broader conversations within the healthcare community. I think what you spoke about before and uh, what Shelley spoke about before is opening doors, you know, opening doors. If someone gets a new job in as a consultant um, in WorkHub and they're working in environments with other professionals and other people that we previously haven't had access to, all that does is broaden the conversations around chiropractic in the community. And we know that obviously word of mouth is, is significant. And um, a lot of, practitioners who will say negative things that you talked about physios and chiros and, and people who haven't seen a chiropractor who have this misconception about what we do the reason why they perhaps have that misconception is they're getting information from their trusted source who is a gp or who is a physiotherapist so if we're in situations like that consultant role where we're working alongside physios or we're having um, broader conversations with GPs and so forth, we can start to change those trusted advisors' opinions, which will have that positive flow and effect to um, increasing um, the, the um, perception of, of chiropractic in the community. Yeah, look, Marcus, I think you've made a very good point there, that delineation between um, what is the, the public message and, and what is the uh, personalised message 
we're not looking to limit uh, the scope of chiropractic practice. We're not, we're here as an association to support the way a chiropractor is currently in practice provided uh, that they're obeying the laws of the land and using a scientific approach to their care. So, uh, you know, make our, make our claims conservative, but keep practice novel. Yeah. And it's not the ACA's role to try and govern how people are practicing. That's APRA, right? Your role is not, that's not the role of, of, of the ACA overall. It's, it's, it's to try and represent the profession and, and um, create conversations and opportunities and, and help um, continue the growth of our profession into the future. Yeah, that's also true. I think we're beyond that. We, we, we still are looking to elevate standards of practice that's yeah. that's for sure but but uh, but it's not we but but yes our message that we're trying to get out is that is the pointed sharp get the people to the door knowing that most chiropractors are going to do a, a wonderful job when they get there absolutely um shelly being part of the aca isn't just limited to this advocacy stuff uh i know i meet with norm a lot doing this podcast isn't is a bit of initiative between he and i um there are a lot of other things that the ACA provide for members and we've touched on that a little bit. Obviously you have the COVID portal, but there are other, t- other tools that we have um, like the HR service and spinal health week. Do you want to just elaborate on some of those things that the ACA provide for the members? Sure. Um, well, currently what we've put out is uh, for fifth years, are you, fourth and fifth years, are you ready to practice? So what it is, it's um, preparing students to transition basically out of university and to become a practicing chiropractor and provide them with um, resources, etc. We have a wonderful um, toolkit, which is called the graduate toolkit. And what it goes through is, you know, it's quite daunting coming out of university where things are set for you this is the date that it's due etc with the grad pack what it does is it assists um, people with registering their APRA getting their professional indemnity insurance their Medicare providers x-ray licenses as well as as you mentioned the HR and finance service which um, is done through Wentworth Advantage also it it systems with um, the advertising compliance hub which is something that you know, they wouldn't be au fait with, which is it's a new evolution for them coming out of university where you are somewhat protected and, and you know what you can do and you can't do, etc. Obeying the APRA guidelines when it comes to, as we know, social media is a huge thing that can either make or break us. So what we provide our members is that um, compliance hub, which is again on the website, it's, we get multiple phone calls, also our um, CPD, um, requirements section in the website really assists members because that there's been a change as we all know since December last year it's changed from informal and formal learning to reflective learning which to be honest especially now that it's given that it's time for registration I've had multiple um, hours spent on the phone with different members across Australia just working through that with them what that means and what it looks like what is allowed and what isn't allowed it's um it's daunting, even for someone who's been in practice for 30 years. I mean, I'm not talking here about first and second years out of uni. It's people that have been practicing for 30 years that have been doing something a certain way. Now the laws have changed and it's about evolving and, and helping members in that, that day-to-day life when it comes to, you know, complying with APRA. Um, other things that we do is provide engagement um, activities and, and sort of, 
functions for members to reconnect through COVID. We've obviously all been in our own homes. Poor Melbourneers, we've got worse than the rest of the country. So what we're trying to do is trying to bring back the morale of, you know, um, community and Kairos again speaking. We provide CPD events, non-CPD events. We provide, um, a, we're actually working on a mentoring um, program at the moment. As you say, this podcast is one of the things that will help, um, hopefully help some students and just give them a better understanding of what ACA actually does. We have representation at university levels. I speak and um, with the head of the chiropractic um, clinic head here in Western Australia, as does the other regional managers, just to provide that um, liaison. One of the issues that has come up from recently is that there are a lot of students graduating that don't have jobs. And now that is a big problem for number one, the students, as well as um, you know the economy, et cetera. So what we've done is spoken to each of the heads of the universities and said, look, how can we help? And what we've done is we've reached out and said, give us the names of the students that don't have a job. We will then contact the Kairos in our regions and see who's looking for an associate. So that, and they were so grateful that the offer was actually even extended to them because for a university as well, it's important that, you know, they don't just get the the, the students, sorry, through university. It's also then at the end game is to, to find a job and to be working in that profession. Because what we don't want to lose is good chiropractors because they can't get a job or they don't see the means or they don't, you know, have the opportunities. So we provide those opportunities for students as well as chiropractors to mesh together, to, you know, meet, etc. And hopefully it's like a speed dating exercise and we get a match and it, bam, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so there's, there's a range of things that we do. Um, and we're always open to new suggestions. From so anyone. it's just a quick little uh, jump in there. I know Norm, for anyone who's listened to this, Norm has got a list of students who are looking for um, jobs next year. And he also has a list of chiropractors who are looking for employees. So um, that yeah, I know the ACA have, have done that work and you spoke about cpd events and i think anthony remember we went to one in fitzroy i forget the name of the restaurant with the neurosurgeons um mm. uh, last year and yep. again this this idea of increasing uh, our perception within the healthcare community um it was a great thing because i met a guy there muhammad ahmad he's a neurosurgeon and i have a patient who's a new patient last week and she's got progressive neurological symptoms coming from a, a disc injury in her quarter equina so I was able to send him, um, I lost his card, but I sent him a message on LinkedIn. He wrote back, he organised the time for the, um, you know, his staff to call this lady and organise an appointment. So, you know, she can get in there without having to have a wait to wait, you know, months to get an appointment like a lot of people have to do with a surgeon because we have, because I have that relationship, you know. Um, so um, you can see I've, there's a common theme coming through this conversation around the work that the ACA is doing to try and help help support um, the members. Um, what about Spinal Health Week? Um, do you want to just touch on that um, as well? Because the students won't know exactly um, how that takes place each year. Sure. So. Um, so Spinal Health Week occurs in May, if I'm right. Is that right? Andy? Yeah, it's usually the last full week of May, but it was changed this year, obviously, because of, uh, because of COVID. Yeah. Yes. And um, so what Spinal Health Week um, aims to target is educate Australians about the importance of positive neuromuscular health and the role of the chiropractors play in that. So consider a chiro is also both an overarching campaign 
of all the public education campaigns like um, the Spinal Health Week. Um, there's World Spine Day, there's Back to School. So they, it's a new campaign that they consider a Cairo if you look at it as an umbrella sort of situation and we've got other campaigns that sit underneath it. So it, essentially um, it is the ACA really targets, you know, whether it is through social media, they really target certain areas. Um, if, I, if I can think of one this year that was done um, via Facebook, which was um, pregnancy, especially with the safety care stuff. So they, you know, you, with, we're very lucky when it comes to social media these days and getting our message out is the targeting and, and the audience that we're trying to get. So what had happened with the Spinal Health Week this year, it was in August, actually, that's right, the 17th, Anthony, you're right. So it was my Cairo, my plan, and on pain. So they sent that out, and what had happened was numerous phone calls from the public. They were sent then to, on our website, we've got a um, locator chiropractor. Someone would see that um, advert, would then send it straight to the ACA website, which they would then put in their postcode, et cetera, and bam, they've gone and they've, you know, located a chiropractor in the area. And what that does, it obviously generates patient numbers for um, our practitioners and our members itself. So that, that's the spinal health week. But as I said, there's an overarching campaign, which is considered a chiro, and that's going um, for five years. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And each year there's a different sort of theme. motto, theme, yeah, you know, absolutely. as part of it as well. Yeah. Um, and resources. We get resources. Um, I'll, I'll perhaps jump in there. Like we get a, a campaign toolkit that tells you, you know, four weeks out, this is what you should be doing, three weeks out, two weeks out, we get social media um, materials provided to us. We get um, email templates, we get letter templates, we get um, templates to try and help get in our local newspaper. Um, so a lot of promotional materials to try and help um, grow our profession, um, or grow our, our business from the um, association as well as part of that. So well, you one go. thing, Marcus, I'll just jump in there for a sec. The, um, and I guess this is twofold, the, camp, the Consider a Cairo and the campaigns that happen underneath that basically have a um, multi-level approach. Uh, one is, as you've just explained there, is giving you the tools to promote your business within a broader campaign. And then there's the, um, uh, the opportunity to get um, media exposure for the profession more broadly. And this year with obviously COVID uh, dominating, one of the biggest stories was people working from home. And that's something that we were able to um, and I, I was aware very, very early on that I had a lot more patients coming in complaining because, you know, their desk setup wasn't so good or, or they were moving less and so forth. So we, we really pivoted and created a whole campaign around that and got excellent, you know, high level media coverage. So, um, you know, I had the, where I'm sitting, where I'm the actual chair that I'm sitting in my kitchen right now is the chair where my wife was sitting for a shoot with uh, the Sunrise Morning Program and I was demonstrating how to set up the computer and so forth. Um, and, and that got a good four minutes on Sunrise. And uh, John DeVoy, our vice president, was on the, uh, the Channel 9 news nationally throughout all the states uh, and also got a, a second run on, on Sunrise. So we get the high-level media, but also an opportunity to in, for chiropractors to engage excuse me, and, and really help market their own individual practices in, in an ethical and positive way. Mm. Um, let's just uh, we'll wrap this up with um, some comments from each of you um, perhaps with what you see is the major benefit like if, I, if you were to say something to 
the student. I remember when I was a student and I was in, uh, I think, second or third year, we had the Victorian president of the association come. I think her name was Katie something. And she talked about the benefits of being part of an association. And pretty much in my mind since then, there was really no, um, no other choice. Um, so students listening, you don't actually have a choice, just join. Um, but from your end, um, Anthony and Shelley, what, what would you say to the students who are about to embark on their career um, or are still at uni for another year or two as to why they should be a member of the ACA? Um, all right, well, I'll go first. So obviously it's pretty easy as a student. It's, it's, it's a no cost uh, investment uh, yeah. for starters. Um, look, I, as you would remember, Marcus, um, when I was a student, um, I wasn't highly connected to the profession in the first probably three years. Uh, but that, that changed in fourth year when I started to put my hands on patients and I made a deliberate effort to get out there and meet and understand chiropractors and started to go to seminars and have conversations with people who are already practitioners in the field. And I think yeah, I, I really, the only regret I have is that I didn't really do that at an earlier time in my uh, uni days because I think it would have made my experience at university even more rewarding than, than what it was. Um, I think I had a disconnect early on. I was an ACA member or a CAA. Uh, no, actually it was ACA then because we've had a few incarnations. Um, I was a member early on, um, but didn't really involve myself. And once I stepped into that and dipped my toe into the water, life really changed. It became, you know, I really got interested in, in the profession. And I think this is the thing everything that's worthwhile takes a little bit of effort. Um, and I would encourage students, even the younger students, make an effort to, to read the Australian chiropractor or, you know, have conversations with, with chiropractors out there in the field, get involved because once you sort of dip your toe in the water, you'll feel and experience um, something that's just far broader and more wholesome and more rewarding than what you might imagine. And I think this is what an association offers a profession. It's that sense of, connectivity it's not just about um you know the membership services it's not just about cheaper income protection uh, or um professional indemnity insurance it's really about that a sense of family and belonging and i think even you know they talk about the y gens or the you know especially us older folks you know about that that there's more about what's in it for me i really don't think that's what the younger chiropractors coming through are like at all i really think they all appreciate that sense of support and sense of being about something that's bigger than just them themselves so so i think ultimately that's what the aca can really offer students right shall i well I'll, I'll just um reiterate what anthony said that it is free for students to join and once you have um if you are a student member and you join before december you actually do then get seven months free membership because you were a student member of the association for their first year so that's a huge saving in itself um, for anyone that is listening and isn't a member. Um, you know, get on get on the internet and go and download the application form or give us a ring and we can um, help you through it. Now, I would say the most important thing, um, and Anthony did touch on it, is a sense of community. I think that when you come out of um, university, it all is overwhelming. And what we basically have, we are the peak potty in this profession and we have all the tools that they need. We're here to, we have the support, we have um, 
in all aspects, whether it is, you know, just listening to someone on the phone talk about a HR issue, we, we can direct them to the person that's going to help them with that. If they are unsure about X, Y, and Z, that is what we get paid to do is to know what they need and to be able to help them. So if I was a student, it would be an absolute no-brainer because, as I say, this they're, they're walking into a world that is unfamiliar and there are so many rules that need to be followed. And by being a member of our association, what they will gain is a sense of community and a sense of professionalism from our association that will assist them in the rest of their working career as a chiropractor. Great, great answers. And look, I have to second both of you in terms of the connection and community. Uh, first of all, when I got into the profession at uni, I, like, I, I quickly became apparent to me that there is this real solidarity amongst um, uh, the chiropractic community at large. Um, and uh, what I've noticed, one of the girls who works with me, Steph, her partner is a physio. And quite often we will have a, a, um, a request from a patient, you know, do, do you know so-and-so over the other side of the city or do you know a physio somewhere or whatever? And when, whenever we get asked, do I, do I know a chiropractor somewhere? It's very easy for me to locate a chiropractor um, that I know or I've met or because of, of, of the connection that we build through our time in the profession. Marty, um, Steph's partner, is a physio. When we ask him about, he, they don't know. They don't have that same connected, 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 sorry, network of, um, of professionals like we do. So it's a, it's a bit more like just Google and, and potluck to find the right person. So um, as a profession, having that, having those systems in, in place um, to create those connections and those relationships is one great for your business, but also two. Um, it, great for you as a professional and a human being. Um, I know that if I needed something, Anthony, I could pick up the call and ask you because I've, you know, I've spent time, you know, um, getting to know you and and um, creating a relationship there. And you're one of probably, you know, hundreds of people that I've met along the journey that I could do that with. Um, so yeah, that the ACA definitely provides a great platform for that through all of the things that um, the ASA does. So just to wrap it up uh, for today, um, Shelly, yeah, you made a great point just then. Um, it's your job to know what the members need and how to help them um, do that um, within the backend support. The ACA is also really important at opening up doors for us as, as uh, members and chiropractors uh, individually and also for the profession at large. Um, and also to obviously enhance the brand of chiropractic um, in the eyes of the community and also in the healthcare sector. Um, so that then will lead to positive um, uh, flow on uh, responses back to people at practice level. Um, and then um, also um, to continue to um, you know, support all of the practitioners across Australia, even if they're not members, um, in terms of advocacy for our profession on so many levels um, that the ACA does, as you guys have pointed out, just a couple of those today. So thanks for the chat. Um, hopefully the people who are listening to this, all the students will sign up. I'm going to make sure, Shelley, that before December 1, I get into the Facebook groups and make sure that people know that they get that seven months of um, free membership if they join before then, because it will give them a great taste for um, what the ASA has to offer them all. So yeah, thanks for your time. Thank Fantastic, you. Marcus. It's been great having a chat and uh, really appreciate all you do for the profession too. Great. Thanks, guys. Thank you.